of the words of that the hymn that we just sang. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. His wounds have paid my ransom. Uh, that's really what we've been talking about for the past this this series, and and really it hits home with what Paul is closing out with towards the end. We'll share this week, next week, and then we will rejoice in a risen Savior on Easter Sunday. I just want to take a moment and uh, remind you that in your pew there are some cards that say one on them. And it's really uh, bait and switch because we gave you three spots. So, But uh, we want you primarily to be praying about the one person that you're going to invite on Easter Sunday. And there, there's several options here so that we can ma maintain distancing uh, to make people feel comfortable and understand that we are taking their health seriously. Uh, so 9 o'clock that day, 11 o'clock as well that day. And then we'll also have overflow rooms. And so we, we are nearing every week, nearing what we feel like is a safe capacity in this room. And so we anticipate on Easter, we'll have to use those overflow rooms. Invite your friends, send out a Facebook message, uh, call them on the phone, uh, just invite them to be a part of what we're doing that day. Have you ever had something that you looked so forward to only to partake of that and it, it left you wanting? So, like, this could happen if you, you know, you're kind of late in the game watching the, the blockbuster of the summer or whatever, and people are like, oh, you got to go see this. you got to experience the best movie ever. And then you go, and it's a good movie, but they kind of hyped it up so much that you kind of came in underneath that, and you kind of are left wanting a little bit. Um, or, or maybe it's like, you know, you, you're so parched, you're thirsty, and you go through the drive-thru, and you're like, man, I need this drink, whatever your drink is, right? But then, like, so for me, it'd be a Dr. Pepper. You just, man, I want a, a big, tall Dr. Pepper, an ice cold. And then, like, you start drinking it, and you're anticipating Dr. Pepper, but then it turns out to be, like, Coke Zero or something like that, or, or sweet tea, right? And you're just like, oh, it's not what I wanted. I was anticipating something different. I, by nods in your head, I see that you are tracking with me. You, you've been there. A little bit of the wrong thing can ruin the good thing. You know what I'm saying? Like in our lives, I mean, that's a, a silly example, but literally a little bit of something bad can ruin what was meant to be good. And that goes in our lives in every way. Let me give you an example uh, from my life growing up. I have an awesome brother who's younger than me. He's typical second-born, typical, typical first-born, so he's very impulsive. And uh, he loves—I don't know, and I don't mean this as a knock to any of you who are second-borns, but my experience with second-borns, not only my brother, but Allison's brother and even my own second-born— they really like to aggravate. I don't know if that's you, okay? I'm not trying to put anything on you. I'm just saying from my experience, and Matthew was that for me. And Matthew um, would constantly, he's the, he's the little brother 
that, you know, he would go to the refrigerator, and if anything was in there, it didn't matter if you had it labeled or anything, it was his. He, it was just fair game. He was going to take it, and there was no consequences to that. And so oftentimes, I'd leave a drink, and I'd leave it in the refrigerator to come and partake of later, right? And I'd come, and uh, inevitably, it's gone, right? And I know who it is. I know because I think I was, uh, Matthew is three years younger than me, but I think my brother who's five years younger than me, Nick, and my brother who's ten and a half years younger than me, you know, I had that intimidation factor going on. But Matthew, he didn't care, right? And he was like, you, you, you there was going to be a fight, and he was okay with that. And so I decided to really get him, right? Because, I mean, nothing worked. I'd write my name on it. I'd say, drink this and die, you know, anything. And it didn't make a difference. He didn't care. He just didn't care. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to get him. And so I proceeded to take whatever drink I had. Uh, I knew it was going to be gone anyway, so I was willing to sacrifice it. And I decide, I'm going to get him. I'm going to pour some Worcestershire sauce in there, some pickle juice, and I'm going to put some stuff in there to make him pay, and he'll, he'll learn his lesson, and it'll be over. Boy, was I wrong. Matthew just didn't even care so much. He didn't even blink an eye. He didn't know anything was wrong. He drank that thing. It was like, oh, what is, you know, I mean, he did say, what is this? But it didn't stop him. It didn't work. But whatever, you know, I put a little bit of this, a little bit of that, it ruined what was once good. I think we can see in these silly examples how it leads to our lives, though, right? And how when we let a little bit of a bad thing in, it can corrupt. It can change. It can make a big difference. I'm thinking about someone who you know, may have uh, an addiction, someone who may have a situation in their life, and chances are they didn't go out and say, you know what, today I think I'm going to do the hardest drug that I can possibly do. What, did it, what happened? They let a little bit in over time, and it grew to corrupt them. And that's what we do in our lives. We allow a little bit in of the wrong thing, and it corrupts what was once good. I think about this when, I, when we, we think about how sin works. When we were growing up in, uh, in youth groups, uh, you know, youth pastors try to be super hip and try to use the lingo of the day, and I don't even think this is a lingo anymore, but at the time, they would tell you, well, you know, in a computer, you have this G-I-G-O, this giggo thing, garbage in, garbage out, and that was the illustration they would use, a great illustration, but, uh, and, it, and it is true even today, the, the, what you let in will corrupt and change you. But this is how sin works, and this is how the enemy works in our lives. I think about King David, Right? We know King David's sins, the worst of the worst. The Bible tells us that King David was a man after God's own heart, right? But that very same man uh, had uh, an affair with uh, a woman that was not his wife, who was actually one of his confidants, one of his 30 mighty men's wife, someone he knew very well, fought with on the battlefield, killed numerous Philistines and he decided one day that's mine and then he had Uriah killed right so 
lust, adultery, murder. Man after God's own heart. But if you look at that passage of Scripture, 1 Kings chapter 11, you see what the very first thing it says, at a time when kings were at war, where was David? At home, sitting on his rear. He let a little thing in that turned into a huge thing. It, it snowballed, it avalanched, it got out of control, right? And that's what happens with sin. In the news, we've seen even Christian leaders of late who have committed atrocities. And we think, how did that happen? They let a little bit in over time. And a little bit of a bad thing corrupted their lives. We have to guard ourselves. We have to be guarded ourselves as well. And, and this is probably even why the Galatians were trying their best to follow God and follow what people were telling them to do about God. I think because the Galatians seem to be Christians. Paul again and again and again references their true faith that they once had, that they followed. He, he references that they are Christians. But I think they were probably just trying to do the best that they could to be what they needed to be. But they took it into their own hands. And Paul addresses this, and he wants the Galatians to see how just a seemingly small thing, a small amount of self, a small amount of self-reliance, a small amount of of self-religion, how just a small amount could corrupt the entire thing and tarnish the work of Jesus in their lives and the work of the Spirit in their lives. And you and I can see this as well, how we, if we allow small things in our lives, can become huge things that tarnish the work of Christ in our lives. Read with me in chapter 5 of Galatians. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to the entire law. He's saying things we already have heard him say in previous chapters. Who are you trying to be justified by the law? You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. You are running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord. You will not accept another, any other view, but whoever it is that's confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. 
For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What Paul is saying here, particularly in this first section, um, is that exactly what we've, we've talked about, just a little bit can make a big difference in your life. Now, verse 1 is really Paul's conclusion to the previous section, and it really carries over what he's talking about here. He reiterates many things, and we could dive into some of those things, but we'd be diving into things we've already talked about. So I want to kind of give you the summation of this section here before he gets into what the works of the flesh are, what the works of the Spirit is. What Paul is concluding in all this, what he is summarizing in this section is that Christ has set you free, so don't be enslaved to anything anymore. It sets the stage for what Paul states next. He begins with this word, take note I'm not sure how it says it in yours, but mine says take note and it has an, an exclamation point, my, my translation. And what it means is to pay attention. He's, he, it's like he's standing up. He's like, if you haven't heard anything else yet, hone in on this. In fact, the word tr- truly means stare at it. Stare at this. So let me say the same thing to you. Stare at this verse to take note. I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourselves circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. And what he's saying is that he's indicating that just a small amount of the wrong thing hinders the best thing. He's saying, listen... This little thing that they're trying to get you to do, this, this small, minute thing that you think is going to have some power to it, it's going to change you, it's going to make you different. If you just follow this one way, it will corrupt what Christ has already done for you and wants to do in you. It will corrupt it. And so the small thing corrupts the wonderful, blessed, amazing Thing that Christ does in us and wants to do in us and in our lives. 
That's what Paul is saying. And, and, and what Paul is, is showing us is our first point today, that a small amount of self limits our faith. A small amount of us and trying to accomplish things on our own and trying to do things in our own strength limits the faith that Christ imparts to us, that Christ wants us to receive and know and feel. A small amount of self corrupts what Christ wants to do. Allowing our own thoughts and ideals and pursuits to supersede Jesus' ideals, thoughts, and pursuits in our lives is a dangerous thing that can limit or even choke out our faith. You see, when we allow small things to take precedence in our lives, it can hinder what Christ wants to do in our life. That's why it's so important even a small thing can enslave us. Even a little thing can, can mess us up. Paul says a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Well, why do we do that? Why do we allow small things to take such a precedence in our lives and hinder eternal things? And you may think, well, I don't do that. You may think, well, you know, how do, how do I do that? And I can't speak for you. I, I'm not your Holy Spirit. But I can tell you what I struggle with. I can tell you where I constantly worry about the things that don't matter and allow little things to take precedence over my faith and what Christ has done to free me, to rescue me. I can tell you that maybe, maybe I'm the only one who needs that message today. But I, I think that's probably not true. Look at verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision or uncircumcision matters or accomplishes anything. And listen, anytime anyone says, this is what matters, and that's what Paul does. He says, what matters is, I'm listening. I'm taking note. I'm staring at it. Faith working through love. What matters is not whether you've done this or haven't done that. What matters, have you trusted Christ? Have you trusted the one who has done it all and accomplished it all? It is perfect in every way. Friends, may we trust Christ. May we have faith in him. This should make sense because we, we used to be consumed with ourselves. Before we knew Christ, we used to be consumed with our own self, with our own desires, with our own thoughts, with our own ideals. We, our best thinking got us to the place that we were, and we knew where we were when we were rescued out of that. We knew that we were in prison, that we were in chains, and that we needed freeing. Why would we want to go back to that? And Paul draws that out. The other day, uh, we were trying to cut some trees down to make way for a playground for our kids that they are pestering me about. And I'm, I'm excited about it, but cutting trees down is nerve-wracking, right? 
especially when there's a, a fence in the way that's, you know, 12 feet tall, and, and it, if you touch it, it kind of moves, right? It's a brick fence, but it's been there a long time. So we cut one tree down. Perfect. Man, just, it's like I was like a lump, born to be a lumberjack, right? So I walk out. I don't I should have been wearing flannel and uh, had a big old axe in my hand. I felt like Paul Bunyan, right? Dropped that thing exactly where it needed to go. And so, you know, builds up your confidence. And I was like, well, you know what? That one's kind of dead in the top a little bit. It's a little bit smaller. We got some confidence. And I thought, I think we can pull that one down too. Happened to be leaning toward the fence, you know. But I thought, in my strength, I could just pull it. It was, it was little, but it wasn't that little. And uh, I had some folks come over graciously to help, Roger being one of them. And Roger's like, well, I mean, you could do this or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, well, listen, Roger, my best thinking got me into this predicament. So I don't think I'd be looking at me for any advice. So I need your help. And we ought to, need to, we ought to understand that about our own lives, right? Where did our best thinking get us? And Paul reminds us, in the following verses, he reminds us, in, in beginning in verse 19, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery. And he just lists them off. It is like a never-ending thing, and it's like, oh my goodness. But if we're honest with ourselves, yeah, I can see where my best thinking got me in those places. And Paul's reminding of, us of that. But God has changed us out of who we once were, works of the flesh, works of the self, and transformed us into something new. And he says, listen, if you are living by the Spirit, you can't live this anyway. The two are completely antithetical to one another. And what he helps us see is that pursuing self is incompatible with walking in the Spirit and walking with the Spirit's desires. Pursuing self is completely incompatible with what Christ has done and what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. And that's the second point today. You see, the Spirit has birthed us anew. He's changed us. He's rescued us. He's freed us. Why would we want to go back to our own ways? We ought to say, my best thinking got me there. I don't want to go there again. I need better thinking. I need the Spirit to think for me. And look at the old characteristics of the flesh and then look at the new things that should characterize us. What are they? And you know this verse. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that should characterize you and me. Look at how Jesus makes us loving, kind, joy-filled. In him, we have crucified the old. When you crucify something, it's dead and gone, unless it's Jesus. 
And we crucified the flesh is what Paul says. We put it to death. Christ, in Christ, it's dead. And now in Christ and in the Spirit, we are alive. We are alive. And the two are incompatible with one another. Not only should our lives now represent Christ and the Spirit in a one-time kind of way, but we are to keep living this way. And it's not easy. It's not hard. It's something we've got to do daily. In fact, Paul elsewhere says, I put to death the parts in me that are, are fleshly. I put them to death every day. Thomas Watson said it this way, till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. Till sin be bitter, just like whatever Matthew drank that day, Christ won't be sweet. Till sin in our hearts and in our lives, we, we detest it and hate it and don't want anything of it, won't, Christ won't be as sweet to us if that's still something we long for. So how do we do that? Paul describes it as saying, we must keep in step with the Spirit. We must walk with God daily. We must step with Him and stay in step as we go. Never moving, always watching. We walk with Him daily. We depend on Him daily. And we stop depending on ourselves more and more every day. Not our will to be good enough. We don't rely on our abilities or our will to be good enough. We continually be filled up with Jesus so there's no more room for anything else. There's no room for Worcestershire sauce or pickle juice to use the example from earlier. There is only room for what is good. It's like when you are washing dishes and you pour soap into a container. You know, it's like those giant water bottles that you can't get down into like my hand gets stuck right so you know I put a rag down there and I'll put some some um, some um, soap and I'll rinse it around slosh it around stick a knife down there try to get it where I can't but it's not until you just let the water pour in right that you can stop eventually seeing the bubbles because the the goods coming in and pushing out the bad and that's what we have to do we have to continually be filled with the Spirit, continually walk with the Lord so that we're being filled up by Him. I was reading this morning in our D group uh, uh, about the, I, the verse in John um, that says, I am the vine and you are the branches and anyone who's in me Though there's things that need to be pruned away, they'll be pruned, and if it's not, those things will grow. And, and I just had this picture of what Christ does in our life. And you see, what the Galatians were trying to do was they were trying to prune themselves. Right? They're trying to take the pruning into their own hands. 
And they're trying to fulfill the law in this way and that way. And they were pruning things away. But that's not what we need to do. We need to be so in tune with Christ. So in tune with the Spirit. That we're walking with Him and that He prunes us. He's pruning us and shaping us into what we need to be. And that is out of our control. When, when we started the series for the first of the year, and we said, hey, let's get back to the basics, and let's get back to the start, and let's read God's Word together, let's, let's do those things, I wanted to be very careful that we didn't just say, well, if you read God's Word more, if you pray more, if you do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. That's not the point. If you think it is, you're just in the same position. You've turned something into self that was meant to be godly. But you have to just come under it and say, Lord, I need you more. I need to follow you more. And I need to step with you more. I need to know you more and walk with you more. And we still do that through reading his word and hearing his voice and praying to him and having a relationship with him so close that he, the vine dresser, is shaping us, molding us, pruning us, and making us into what we need to be. When I was a kid, I sang a song, and you've probably heard it. <clears throat> He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Right? Took him six days to make the moon and the stars, sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. But how loving and gracious he must be because he's still working on me. And so we stay in step with our Savior. We have that relationship with Him. We're close to Him. We're walking with Him daily, being filled with Him so that the, the old ways become bitter to us. And Christ is sweet. Sweet. I pray that's true for you. I pray today that you walk out of here Rejoicing that Jesus loves you. He's gracious and kind and loving and making you into what you ought to be. Today, if you're here, either watching online or in this room, and you don't know Christ, His love is available to you. His grace is available to you. He can change you today. Won't you call on Him? Won't you ask Him to free you from the works of the flesh and fill you with His Spirit? Won't you ask Him today? Won't you trust Him today? I'd love to walk with you through that. I'd love to walk here in the front. I'd love to share with you how to trust Christ and walk with Him. If you're online and you want to do that, you can text the word alive. I answer those. You know, I'll walk with you too, virtually. I want to help you know what it is to walk in step with the Spirit. But friends, all of us who do know Christ, may we not allow a small amount of anything to come in and ruin what is best and what is greatest and that is Christ in you working in you loving you faith through love what matters most is what Paul said faith through love
I'm going to pray, and at this time, if God is moving in your heart, you come as we sing, follow the Lord in whatever way He's leading you. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to know you, to walk in step with you, God. Would you move in our hearts? Would you move in our lives? Would you continue to change us and make us what we need to be as you're still working on us? Would you overwhelm us with your presence, God? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand in this? God is moving in this place. When he's moving in your heart, you come in whatever way he's calling you to as we sing.